0: aspirants I hope everyone is extremely fine so today itself we will start with the different unit called plant physiology so the first chapter in this is a transport in plants into the chapter, we'll just brief about, about uh, Melvin Calvin. Calvin. Okay, so he was a scientist born in Minnesota and all that is given. The important thing is, just after the World War II, Calvin and his co-workers put radioactivity to its beneficial use. Because in World War II, you know, the atom bomb and all that happened. So he, along with J.A. Besham, studied reactions in green plants, forming sugar and other substances from raw materials like Carbon dioxide, water, and minerals. By labeling the carbon dioxide with C14, Cal- Calvin proposed that plants change light energy to chemical energy by transferring an electron to an in an organized array of pigment molecules and other substances. The mapping of the pathway of the carbon assimilation in photosynthesis earned him the Nobel Prize in 1961. So, the entire plant physiology, like he is the kind of great scientists and who's who has to be acknowledged in this so leaving all that aside i hope everyone is completely safe in this corona pandemic and now transport in plants so okay so have you ever heard how plant reaches the top of tall trees or for that matter how and why substances move from one cell to another or like the substances move in a similar way or in different direction or whether metabolic energy is required for moving substances. Plants need to move molecules over very long distances much more than animals do and they also do not have a circulatory system in place. So water taken up by the roots has to reach all parts of plant up to the very tip of the growing stem and the photosynthetics or the food synthesized by leaves also have to be moved to all those parts and movement across short distances say within a cell or across the membranes and from cell to cell within the tissue has to take place so to understand all this there's the whole chapter transport in plants now when we talk of movement of substances we first need to define what kind of movement we are talking about and also what substances we are looking at in a flowering plant the substances that would need to be transported are water minerals nutrients organic nutrients and plant growth regulators, which is the plant hormones. Over small distances, substances move by diffusion or by cytoplasmic streaming, supplemented by active transport. Active transport means the kind of transport that utilizes energy, ATP. Transport over long distances proceeds through the vascular system, that is the xylem and the phloem, and this movement through the vascular system over large distances, is called translocation it's a highlighted word in the ncrt so it is important now one thing that we need to understand is the direction of transport in rooted plants transport in xylem which is of water and minerals is essentially unidirectional from that is from the roots to the stem because the roots absorb the water and the nutrients the minerals from the soil and then they transport it upwards to the stems organic and mineral nutrients however Undergo multi multidirectional transport. They have to be distributed all throughout the plant. And organic compounds synthesized in the photosynthetic leaves are tra- exported to all other parts of the plant, including the storage organs. From the storage organs, they are later re-exported. So there's a lot of movement. You know, jam is there. Move nutrients and water and minerals. Jam. The mineral nutrients are taken up by the roots and are transported upwards into the stem, leaves, and the growing region. When any plant part undergoes senescence, that is, the olding, the aging of the plant part, nutrients may be withdrawn from such regions and moved to the growing parts. Hormones or plant growth regulators and other chemical signals are also transported, though in very small amounts, sometimes in a strictly polarized or unidirectional manner from where they are synthesized to other parts. So hence, in a flowering plant, there is a complex traffic of compounds as I pointed out. So now, first section in this, we have understood that, okay, so why transport was important and like what kind of transport happens, of what substances transport happens. Now we'll understand the means of transport. First means is diffusion. Movement by diffusion is passive. That means it does not include the utilization of energy and it may be from one part of the cell to the other or from cell to cell or over very short distances, say from the the intercellular spaces of a leaf to the outside. No energy expenditure takes place in diffusion. Molecules move in a random fashion. diffusion doesn't mean the movement of particles from higher concentration to lower concentration as you might have read in class 9 or lower classes diffusion is actually a random movement but the net result is that the substances move from regions of higher concentration to regions of lower concentration but otherwise the movement is totally random Okay, and diffusion is a very slow process and it is not dependent on a living system Diffusion is obvious in gases and liquids, but diffusion in solids, rather than of solids, is more likely. You understand this? Diffusion in solids, rather than of solids, is more likely. Like in liquids and gases, diffusion is very much visi- like it's very visible thing. But in solids, we do not actually you know, see a lot of diffusion of solids. We see diffusion in solids, and diffusion is very important for plants. Since it is the only means for gaseous movement within the plant body. So for the gaseous exchange, diffusion is the prime important thing in plants. Now diffusion rates are affected by the gradient of concentration, the permeability of membrane and the the permeability of the membrane separating them, temperature and pressure and it also inversely depends upon the size of molecules which are to be diffused now the second kind of uh, means of transport is the facilitated diffusion understand this very careful because this is kind of a new concept maybe for you so there will be. if you're bored then you can go look outside your window and just do it and come back because you cannot go out it's corona pandemic and I won't even suggest you to go talk to your friends on phone because it's very distracting. So just come back. Okay. Now, facilitated diffusion. The diffusion rate depends on the size of the substances. Obviously, small substances diffuse faster. The diffusion of any substance across the membrane also depends on solubility in lipids, because lipids is the major constituent of the cell membrane. We'll still uh, okay. So. I I guess you have studied the chapter, the cell chapter. If you have not, you can go check that uh, the cell membrane is made up of phospholipids. Lipids is the fats. Substances soluble in lipids diffuse through the membrane faster. It's very surprising because you might be thinking that the membrane is made up of lipids and the substances are soluble in lipids. So they should be, you know, solvated in the membrane and they should take more time. But eventually it's faster. And substances that have a hydrophilic moiety find it difficult to pass through the membrane. So their movement has to be facilitated. So like it's, it's much like, you know, it's your own school. So you can go anywhere you like. You are like the boss of a school. You know all the places to hide, all the places to bunk. But when you go to an inter-school or something like that, and there you don't know where the mess is, where do we have to go, where's the auditorium. And then like they appoint some monitors or prefects to guide you through everywhere, and then you make friends with them eventually you learn like okay this is the place where we have to bunk this is the place we have to eat or whatever so it's like you need a guide for that so the facilitated diffusion is much like a guide for all those hydrophilic moiety substances which find it difficult to pass through that lipid membrane i think i explained it well membrane proteins Okay, so who is the guide? The membrane proteins, which are also called the carrier proteins. So, membrane proteins provide sites at which such molecules cross the membrane. Which molecule? The hydrophilic moiety molecules. They do not set up a concentration gradient. A concentration gradient must already be present for molecules to diffuse even in facilitated diffusion. Like, it's also a diffusion. It's also passive. It does not utilize energy. So, it's just that if the concentration is favorable for the substance to pass through there then the facilitated uh, then the carrier protein would come forward to make it pass through it but if the concentration is not favorable you have to use active diffusion that's the only way you can do it in facilitated diffusion special proteins help move substances across membranes without expenditure of ATP energy facilitated diffusion cannot cause net movement of molecules from a low to a high concentration because this will require input of energy which is against the whole concept of diffusion transport rates reaches a maximum when all of the protein transporters are being used like that's a kind of saturation you know when i don't know when you are standing on a bus when you're standing maybe at the station railway station and you see that all those vehicles all those rickshaws and autos they are occupied you do not have so you have to wait for them to get unsaturated if there's an empty there's a vacant place somewhere you'll get a seat it's much like that and facilitated diffusion is very specific like it allows cell to select substances for uptake and it is very sensitive to inhibitors which react with protein side chains protein side chains this kind of specificity was not present in diffusion but it is there in facilitated diffusion because we are dependent on the we are dependent on the carrier proteins. So when you are dependent, you have to sacrifice your freedom. It's much like that. The proteins form channels in the membranes for molecules to pass through. Some channels are always open; others can be controlled. Some are large, allowing a variety of molecules to cross. And the porines are proteins that form large pores in the outer membrane of plastids mitochondria and some bacteria allow molecules up to the size of small proteins to pass through. Now there's a figure in my book which shows an extracellular molecule bound to the transport protein and the transport protein then rotates and releases the molecule inside. It's like tossed like turn and twist, I mean, toss and turn, something like that. And the water, like the example is the water channels made up of eight different types of aquaporins. You need to remember this that there are eight different types of aquaporins in water channels. Now, even in facilitated diffusion, there are different kinds like passive, sim ports, and antiport. So, as the name suggests, anti means opposite, sim means together. Okay. So some carrier proteins allow diffusion only if two types of molecules move together. So in a symport, both molecules cross the membrane in the same direction. In antiport, they move in an in opposite direction. And when a molecule moves across the membrane, independent of other molecules, this is called uniport. So uni means one, sim means together, anti means opposite. Now the third part is active transport, all the pumps are active transport. Okay. Uh, you'll read about the pumps in uh, the neuro, neural, neural system chapter. So active transport uses energy to transport and pump molecules against a concentration gradient. What does it mean against a concentration gradient? It means that the transport takes place from lower concentration to higher concentration which is exactly opposite to the diffusion case. Active transport is carried out by specific membrane proteins. And hence, different proteins in the membrane play a major role in both active as well as passive transport. Pumps are proteins that use energy to carry substances across the cell membrane. And these pumps can transport substances from low concentration to higher concentration and this is called uphill movement. You know uphill is like going from lower to higher. Going from higher to lower is downhill which is the diffusion transport rate reaches a maximum when all the protein transporters are being used. So this is called saturation and like enzymes, the carrier protein is very specific in what it carries. These proteins are also very sensitive to inhibitors that react with protein side chains. So only because all these active transport and facilitated transport are dependent. The facilitated transport is dependent upon the carrier molecules and the active transport is dependent upon energy ATP. So that's why they are very specific and they are also sensitive to inhibitors you know they have also always have to be you know stay alert because they are dependent and the diffusion is the is a like the cool guy he is totally undependent over anybody and then that's why the diffusion is not so much sensitive to inhibitors now there's a comparison of different transport processes and there's a diagram i think it's just a table you Like the criteria is require special protein membranes. So in diffusion, simple diffusion, it's no. In facilitated transport and active transport, it's yes. Highly selective, simple diffusion, no. Facilitated and active, yes. Transport saturates, no in simple diffusion, but yes in both. Facilitated and active. Uphill transport, no in simple diffusion, and no uphill transport, no in simple diffusion, and no in facilitated transport but yes in active transport uphill transport means from lower concentration to higher using energy requires atp energy no in simple diffusion no in facilitated transport and yes in active transport now this was all guys now one thing which is a very new thing maybe i've never read it before is the plant water relations when i started this chapter i was so full of energy i thought that okay today i'll finish because i had today only i did that animal kingdom cordates, and i thought that okay i'll finish one more chapter but now i realize it's too much so we won't like second section i'm doing plant water relations but the third part of this chapter is long distance transport of water so i'm not gonna touch it today maybe tomorrow or someday i'll do it uh, so that'll be in a different podcast just to you know tell you so now plant water relations water is essential for all phy- physiological activities of the plant and plays a very important role in all living organisms it provides a medium in which most substances are dissolved the protoplasm of the cells is nothing but water in which different molecules are dissolved and suspended so there's a data like there are some data which there is some data which you need to remember that is a watermelon has over 92% water most herbaceous plants have only about 10 to 15 percent of its fresh weight as dry matter. So this is a very tricky line. You need to know it that it says herbaceous plants have only about 10 to 15 percent of its fresh water as dry matter. So what does it mean is the rest part is wet matter means it has water. So herbaceous plants have got at least 85 to 90 percent of its fresh weight as water. Of course, uh, distribution of, plant, of water within a plant varies, like in woody parts have relatively little water while soft parts mostly contain water. It's very simple to understand that moisturized portions have lot of moisture, moisture is water. A seed may appear dry but it still has water. It just has 10-15% to 15% water but it has, otherwise it won't be alive. Terrestrial plants take up huge amount of water daily, but most of it is lost in air through evaporation from the leaves. And this evaporation from the leaves is called transpiration. A mature corn plant absorbs almost 3 liters of water in a day, whereas a mustard plant absorbs water equivalent to its own weight in about 5 hours. Because of this high demand for water, it is not surprising that water is often the limiting factor for plant growth and productivity in both agricultural and natural environments. Okay, so water potential. To understand all this water-plant-water relations, we need to know the terms first of all. So water potential, that is psi w, according to the symbol, (laughs) is a concept fundamental to understanding water movement solute potential which is psi s and pressure potential which is psi p are the two main components that determine water potential water molecules possess kinetic energy as you have read in chemistry or physics or even both so here it is in biology in liquids And gaseous forms they are in random motion that is both rapid and constant the greater the concentration of water in a system the greater is its kinetic energy or water potential so it is obvious that you know pure water will have the greatest water potential if two systems containing water are in contact random movement of water molecules will random movement means diffusion will result in a net movement of water molecules with from the system with higher energy to the one with lower energy so diffusion in diffusion we mostly talk about the concentration of substances but here you need to understand this if we take water as a criteria you know in diffusion the net movement of water molecules will take from the system with higher energy to the one with lower energy so the one which has the higher energy of course would have the more water potential and the one which has the higher potential of water will have the most water so you see this is different from common diffusion because in common diffusion the concentration because if a substance has higher concentration of it that means it has lower concentration of water in it do you get it so like as i said that the net movement of water molecules will happen from the system with higher energy. Higher energy means higher water potential, which means higher water. Which means higher water. So from higher water to the lower water, means the lower amount of water, which means having lower water potential, which of course means having lower energy. So this is a kind of tricky thing but you need to understand it so this process of movement of substances down a gradient of free energy is called diffusion okay water potential is denoted by greek symbol psi or the symbol psi and is expressed in pressure units such as pascal's By convention, the water potential of pure water at standard temperatures, which is not under any pressure, is taken to be zero. So, as I said before, that water potential of pure water is the highest because it's got the most amount of water. And by convention, it is at, uh, at standard temperatures, it is zero. So, what we understand from there is that all other water potentials, every substance in the world, except for pure water would be negative because as the highest is zero I mean how lower can you go from zero you can just go into the negative that's all it is now yeah and the magnitude of this lowering due to dissolution of solute is called solute potential so you know the pure water will have the highest water potential which is zero and except that all the solutions in the whole world will have a lower water potential which will be negative and this the magnitude of this lowering due to dissolution of the solute is called solute potential and it is is represented by the symbol psi s of course psi s is always negative the more solute molecules the lower and the more negative is the psi s you get it? for a solution at atmospheric pressure the water potential is equal to solute potential okay and as the pressure increases pressure increases more than the atmospheric pressure the water potential increases and thus becomes greater than solute potential one more thing you need to realize here is the more solute molecules the lower and the more negative is psi s more negative means minus 20 is more negative than minus 10 and thus minus 20 has got the lower lower solute potential so like minus 20 is got the lower molly lower solute potential because it in negative, and that's why it has got more solute particles than the one solution with the minus 10 It is very tricky to understand but whole plant physiology is like that and you have to study because botany is a part of biology. So that's it guys. Pressure can build up in a plant system when water enters a plant cell due to diffusion and this causes a pressure built up against the cell wall which makes the cell turgid. This increases the pressure potential and pressure potential is usually positive though in plants negative potential or tension in the water column in the xylem plays a major role in water transport up or stem. Pressure potential is represented by psi p and water potential is thus affected by the solute and the pressure, pressure potentials and the relationships that is psi w is equal to psi s plus psi p that is the water potential is equal to the sum of the solute potential and the pressure potential. If you have if open your book along with it you might be seeing the symbols there good now the second thing is osmosis as i told you before like diffusion and osmosis is a bit different because diffusion is from a lower concentration to i mean sorry lower concentration of water to higher concentration of water but lower concentration of water means the higher concentration of the substance of the solute because water is the solvent so Okay, confusions aside, we'll study it. Osmosis. The plant cell is surrounded by a cell membrane and a cell wall. The cell wall is freely permeable to water and substances in solution and hence it is not a barrier to movement. In plants, the cells usually usually contain a large central vacuole whose contents the vacuole sap contribute to the solute potential of the cell. In plant cells the cell membrane and the membrane of the vacuole that is the tonoplast together are important determinants of movements of molecules in and out of the cell Osmosis is the term used to refer specifically to the diffusion of water across a differentially or selectively permeable membrane Osmosis occurs spontaneously in response to a driving force and the net direction and rate of osmosis depends upon two factors which is the pressure gradient and the concentration gradient water will move from its region of higher chemical potential you got it water will move from its region of higher chemical potential to its region of lower chemical potential until equilibrium is reached at equilibrium the two chambers should have nearly the same water potential so water will move from its region of higher chemical potential which means water will move from the solute's lower chemical potential to the solute's higher con- chemical potential because a solute having like having more solute in a solution means having less solvent in it and water is a solvent. I hope you get it. I don't know whether I am good at explaining this or not but this is a simple thing you might even ask a teacher because this podcast is totally a revision thing i'm not going to explain everything which i'm doing actually but okay mind you uh, there are some questions in this i think you can do them by yourself because it's a revision podcast yeah and uh, okay so experiment is given now external pressure can be applied okay so this whole funnel you know there's a demonstration of osmosis a, thun, a thistle funnel is filled with sucrose solution and kept inverted in a beaker containing water. Now the A diagram in the A diagram, water will diffuse across a membrane, as shown by the arrows, like water will go into that uh, funnel to raise the level of the solution in the funnel. And in the second, the pressure can be applied as shown to stop the water movement into the funnel. So the pressure is the external pressure which we are applying from outside. So, this external pressure can be applied from the upper part of the funnel such that no water diffuses into the funnel through the membrane and this pressure required because this is the additional pressure which we are doing required to prevent water from diffusion is in fact the osmotic pressure and this is the function of the solute concentration. So more the solute concentration greater will be the pressure required to prevent water from diffusing in. Numerically. Osmotic pressure is equivalent to osmotic potential, but the sign is opposite. If we are applying the external force pressure, so the osmotic pressure is the positive pressure applied, while the osmotic potential is negative. I hope you get it. Third part is the plasmolysis. So the behavior of plant cells with regard to water movement depends on the surrounding solution. If the external solution balances the osmotic pressure of the cytoplasm, it is called the isotonic. Iso means neutral. If the external solution is more dilute than the cytoplasm, it is called hypotonic. And if the external solution is more concentrated, it is hypertonic. Cells swell in hypotonic solution and shrink in hypertonic. I think one confusion that every one of us had in maybe in class four, five in the exam is like. Uh, when we are li- looking at hypertonic, do we have to look at the external solution or the internal? Do you get it? Yeah. So, one thing you need to concentrate is we always speak in regard to the external solution. Okay. So, if the external solution is less, less concentrated, means more dilute, it is hypotonic. If the external co- solution is more concentrated, it is hypertonic. We always look in regards to the external solution remember it so plasmolysis occurs when water moves out of the cells and the cell membranes of a plant cell shrinks away from its cell wall you know cell wall is a rigid thing whereas the cell membrane is quite flexible and permeable so when all the when it is uh, when a cell is placed in the hypertonic solution so you know the cytoplasm has got more water than the external solution and that's why the water from the cell rushes out as it does the cell membrane shrinks away from the cell wall. There's a whole diagram, this is called plasmolysis basically. Uh, the whole diagram is given. And so, yeah, like when the water moves out, it is first lost from the cytoplasm and then from the vacuole because vacuole also has a membrane called tonoplast. So, you know, first the cell uh, water goes out from the cytoplasm, then it gets sucked out from the vacuole too. And then the water, when drawn out of a cell through diffusion into the extracellular fluid causes the protoplast to shrink away from the walls and this cell is called plasmolyse. So there's a question here which is very important that what occupies the space between the cell wall and the shrunken proto- protoplast in the plasmolysed cell and the answer is hypertonic solution. Okay, when the cell or tissue is placed in an isotonic solution there is no net flow of water towards the inside or inside. Mind you movement happens you know movement happens on both sides but it has it happens in such a way that the net movement is zero understood if the external solution balances the osmotic pressure of the cytoplasm it is said to be isotonic when water flows into the cell and out of the cell and are in equilibrium the cells are said to be flaccid. so in isotonic solution the cells are flaccid because the amount of water that flows into the cell and amount of water that flows out of the cell is in an equilibrium. So, in hypertonic solutions, plasmolysis happens. In isotonic solution, flaccidity happens. And okay, in hypotonic solutions, the process of plasmolysis is totally like reversed. So, in this, the water from the external solution rushes inside the cell and. Uh, as the water diffuses into the cell causing the cytoplasm to build up a pressure against the wall because so much water is filling in the cytoplasm tries to you know burst open the the cell wall but cell wall being rigid so there's a lot of pressure from the um, side of the cytoplasm at the cell membrane and the cell wall and this pressure is called turgor pressure the pressure exerted by the protoplast protoplast includes the cytoplasm and every living proto thing plus the cell membrane too so the pressure exerted by the protoplast due to the entry of the water against the rigid walls is called pressure potential psi p because of the rigidity of the cell wall the cells does not rupture rupture sorry sorry it was rupture and this turgor pressure is ultimately responsible for enlargement and extension and growth of cells because they push from the inside You know there's a motivational line that when you break from inside you grow like when the egg breaks from the inside you know a life is formed think you all have heard of hatching okay so when the cell breaks from inside a life is formed but when the eggs break from the outside lights are destroyed so that's the kind of motivation thing like you have to break from inside you have to feel from inside and then you'll crack anything in the world maybe it's neat maybe it's anything okay so i think that was quite a big motivation for for medical aspirants one more thing is in plasmolysis cells plasmolysis happens with hypertonic solutions and in this the psi p that is the pressure potential is negative you know why it's negative because whole of the water rushes out you know, plasmolysis, the shrinking away of the cell membrane from the cell wall. And in isotonic solution, the flaccidity happens where the Psi-P, that is the pressure potential is zero because the amount of water coming in is equal to the amount of water going out. So there's no net movement of water from any side. And the turgidity happens in hypotonic solution. In this, lots of water gets in and then builds a pressure against the rigid wall. And in this, Psi-P, that is the pressure potential is positive. Now the fourth part and I think the last part that I'm going to do today because I'm a bit tired now is the uh, imbibation. So imbibation is the special type of diffusion where water is absorbed by solids and colloids causing them to increase in volume. The classical example of imbibation are absorption of water by seeds and dry wood. You know I think you've all heard of that thing that uh, when you put any furniture or anything in water they kind of swell up. You know the gates, the wooden gates, wooden doors if you have at home, like they won't, they won't shut up or they won't open up at once in rainy season because water gets inside and they kind of swell up because they imbibe the water. Imbibe means kind of absorbing, but it happens in solids and colloids, okay. Uh, the pressure that is produced by the swelling of wood has been used by the prehistoric man to split rocks and boulders. If it were not for the pressure due to imbibation, seedlings would not have been able to emerge out of the soil into the open. They probably would have never been able to establish and without the seeds, without the plants, they would not have been life. So imbibation is very important. And imbibition is also diffusion since water movement is along a concentration gradient. The seeds and other such materials which almost have no water hence they absorb water easily like you know look at a child four year old child he doesn't have anything in the brain you tell him or her anything he or she will remember it like feed him anything in the brain but as you age you realize that your grasping capacity gets lower and lower so the same thing the seeds and seeds have got just 10 to 15 percent water which is very less so they've got like they've got no water okay so when they get water they absorb very easily because they're totally empty you know <laughs> they have a lack of water and water potential gradient between the absorbent and the liquid imbibe is essential for imbibition. i think you'll read about it in a chapter in uh, in chemistry in class 12 uh, surface chemistry you'll read about it imbibation in whole detail and in addition for any substance to imbibe in a liquid affinity between the absorbent and the liquid is a prerequisite so there should be an affinity between the one to be absorbed and one who absorbs otherwise imbibition won't happen it's a kind of diffusion but in this diffusion the water is absorbed by the solids and colloids with this we come to end of today's podcast in the next we'll study about long distance transport of water and how do plants absorb water uh, water movement upper plant transpiration pull all that uptake and pressure flow flow flowing transport so i think everyone is fine keep safe in this covid pandemic and study all the best guys thank you